From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 153. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, FreshBooks, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, as always, although behind the scenes, peek behind the curtain, recording a little bit different at time, and that is mostly because you are recording in a different place. I'm just sitting in my chair in my office at home. Where are you? I am in New York City, Jason, but nobody cares about this because it's time for Hashtag Snell Talk. Joel <laughs> wrote wrong, in this week, okay. and Joel said, what was the most exciting baseball game that Jason has ever attended? Uh boy um i'm gonna say in terms of the excitement of the event it is definitely game five of the wow you know of the world series maybe i've been to two world series games both of which were very exciting both of which were game five of 2002 and uh 2014 Uh, both of them won by my team the san francisco giants um I would say the most exciting was probably the 2014 World Series, Game 5. They won. uh, It was a a shutout, complete game shutout by Madison Bumgarner. That was very exciting. In terms of the most actual, like, excitement during a game ever of a baseball game, I would have to say it was um, Game 2 of the 2000 Divisional Series with the Giants against the Mets, where... Uh, the single most exciting baseball moment I've ever seen in person happen, which is a dramatic bottom of the ninth home run by JT Snow off of the uh, Mets closer, Armando Benitez. Uh, it, there was only one problem. It tied the game. It felt like it won the game. Like It really felt like morally that was it and the game was over. But it actually only tied the game. And the Giants lost the next inning and that was it. So, <laughs> But boy, that moment was amazing. The whole stadium shook and it was amazing. So I have a few postseason baseball choices from AT&T Park in San Francisco to, to pick from. Welcome to the talk show. My name is. I know, right? Let's talk about keyboards now. Can we talk about keyboards? Yeah, okay. Baseball keyboards. Because that's, yeah, when I'm on the talk show, we try to scare away everybody in the first 30 minutes. It's time to talk about publishing, Jason Snell. You you nailed it. Yeah. uh, That was a Snell talk submitted by uh, Joel. If you would like to have your question answered at the top of the show, you can send in tweets with the hashtag Snell talk, and that will open. Our episodes. So uh, I will go back. It's my favorite thing. It's my new little catchphrase is nobody cares about that. I don't know if anyone's noticed it, but I think it's really Mm. funny every single time. Um, But yeah, I am in New York. Um, I'm in New York City, uh, which is part of, well, which began last week. I'm spending the entire month um, of August in the US in various places. And I'm beginning with this show uh, in New York. And I'm going to a baseball game myself next week, which was why I picked the baseball question. I'm going with a couple of friends to see the New York Mets versus the Miami Marlins. So that's in in a week or two, I think. Um, So I wanted to know if you had any tips for me for for enjoying the baseball game. Uh, It's not going to probably be like when we went to that baseball game in in Memphis. Mm -hmm. You probably won't get a foul ball. Okay. Um, I would say... Enjoy the atmosphere mm-hmm. and soak in the the crowd. And the if it's a sunny day, you know, enjoy the sun. Have a have a hot dog. Um, Will they throw hot yeah. dogs at me? Is that a thing that happens? N- no. No. Okay. Well, no. That's a shame. But I can shout to the guy or the girl and be like, "Hot dog here! 
or something uh, like that? Maybe if there's a hot dog person. Okay. The, it, I, I would recommend you just go buy a hot dog at a hot dog stand in the, in the stadium rather than yeah, waiting for a see, vendor to come by. The thing is, though, like if I have the ability to say one here, please, oh, right? Like it's, you don't, you, but yeah, but you don't want like a... You don't want a hot dog that some guy has like kept in his pocket and is now going to sell to you. Like you don't want like a hot dogs out of a sack full of hot dogs that are all uh no, don't. So here's no. the thing. Here's the thing. I agree with you. That's not the type of hot dog that I want to eat. But like this is one of those things that like I'm not sure if American people get this, right? About about us non-Americans. Is we see this stuff on TV and movies, right? Like yeah. The person walking down the stairs and they have the the hot dog and you just, they send the hot dog, you know, it's like a whole little thing, right? And it seems sure. to happen in every time anybody ever well, goes to a baseball game. Here's what I would suggest. D- get get the hot dog yourself at a stand. Uh-huh. But yes, when some when a vendor comes by with a lemonade or a soda or a beer. Yeah, that'll do. Or a, or a, or a cotton candy or a peanuts. Peanuts, no, not that's peanuts. a classic. Peanuts. Not pe- peanuts. Oh, no, it'll kill you. Yeah, it'll You should buy me. them anyway and then just give them away. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, something like that. That's because peanuts is a classic, right? Peanuts, peanuts, get your peanuts here, but they'll and, and then you'll die. So yeah, don't do so that. I don't want to get those peanuts. Though. Um, that's what you should do. Get okay. something that's that's not a hot dog from a vendor. That's my advice to you. All right, so we do have some real follow up. Uh, we spoke last week in Ask Upgrade about having two Dropbox accounts potentially signed in on files in iOS 11 and in what the possibilities right. of that be. And we, we threw about some theories of how we thought that it could maybe be hacked together to be done. Uh, but a couple of people wrote in, including Ryan, who said that uh, it is a, this is actually a feature. Like If you have a business account with Dropbox, you can actually use two accounts in the iOS app and switch between them. So you can switch between a personal account and a business account. So... Again, this doesn't really confirm anything, but maybe it lends some credence to a possibility that this functionality could be maintained within the Files app because Dropbox has made a point of having it in the iOS app for some time. So yeah. that is a, an important information. I'm unclear on exactly how the whole um, Files interaction thing works and yeah, whether exactly. Dropbox can put two different, you know, will it in this scenario basically have two mount points and is that allowed or mm-hmm. do they only have one you know file system that they can generate there or not but there's at least some hope if you have a business account i think we also heard from somebody who maybe actually works at dropbox who basically said beyond that there are no you know they they know of no plans to support this you know just having several dropbox accounts and some of that makes sense because you can get a free amount of space from dropbox and i think that they don't want to make it easy to switch because then you could just have a chain of dropbox accounts each with yeah, five could, gigabytes yeah. and move be between unlimited, them and, right if you had it all in a in a root directory inside of an application Exactly, they unlimited but inconvenient, right? But they yeah. they don't want to they don't want to do that. So unless you're in a situation where you've got a business account and a personal account, that might work. Although you know that's the the real question is how does that interact with files and will that work? So there have been some new emoji proposals, and I just wanted to to run through some of these real quick because uh, okay, this emoji seems to be some the part of our beat on this show. At least I think, I think I've so. forced it in over time. At least. I saw um, Jeremy Bird like um, what little a little more than a week ago, and Jeremy and I were talking about from Emojipedia. We were talking about we were on uh, on new screensavers on Twit, and we were talking about emoji. It was nice to see Jeremy. Yeah, me and Jeremy have a thing where we cross paths. So he's been in the U.S. for a month. He came home, and now we've we've reversed over. Right. Um, I also but, said his name totally wrong because it's Berg, right? Berg. 
Not Burge. Oh, well, Burge? I always call him Burge. This is uh, like to his face. So I, not Burge, like hope Iceberg. That is correct. All right, Iceberg. Well, okay. I, I said I Burge, and then I immediately was worried about it. So we'll we'll see. That's not Iceberg. Not a uh, not a, not an emoji, but. Uh, I think I think breaking news for those who've wondered why is the pile of poo so happy <laughs> is one of the proposals. And Jeremy was actually sw- swinging up to to um, Seattle for the for a meeting about yep. this for an emoji mm-hmm. subcommittee meeting. Um, one of the proposals is indeed a frowning pile of poo. Yep. So this this news has come out because there has been a Unicode consortium meeting where they discuss and look at proposals for new emoji. And one of the contenders this time is a frowning pile of poo, which I honestly I don't want. I, I don't really like the poop emoji. I'm just going to say this. like I, I don't I, either. I, I'm not being squeamish or whatever. I, I just don't understand why people want poop with a face on it like so now i don't really want more of them um but it's weird it is weird it's weird and also the way it's it's generally drawn it's a um it's just soft serve it's like it's 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 chocolate soft serve Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not even i'm gonna say though jason there's no other way i would want to see it i don't want it represented any other way no i think it should be did you did you know jeremy pointed this out to me there used to be flies buzzing around it Oh and those God. went away. It's like, I think, like, if you're going to have poop, just go have it be real poop. Like, if you want to send poop to somebody, do it. But uh, don't give me this, like, a, an anthropomorphic pile of soft serve mm-hmm. who might be happy but might be sad and we don't, and nobody knows why. Are we going to have to have all the smileys have an option where they could be poo instead of a yellow circle? Is that going to happen? I hope not. <laughs> But you said that like you, you you're just comprehending that maybe that's a serious possibility. I mean, like, oh, boy, I, mean, I hope know, not. That would be bad. This is, this is like opening the jar. Uh, there are some. Uh, there are there are 67 new emoji that have been listed as draft candidates for the 2018 emoji set. Um, and I wanted to just mention a couple that that I think might be kind of cool. Um, bagel and cupcake in food. Uh, a test tube. I think a test tube could be a good one. Uh, redheads. And I feel sorry for redheads because there are going to be, I think in the 2017 set, there's going to be new hair modifiers. And this would indicate that redheads did not make the cut of the original no. hair modifiers, which I'm, I feel sad about considering that there is a rather large redhead population in my own family. Um, there is a face with smiling eyes and a party horn and party hat. So basically a party face emoji. And mm-hmm. then there is a red face with tongue sticking out with bead of sweat and a blue face with clenched teeth and icicles. I like those two to show hot and cold. So there's, there's some good ones in there. And as you can imagine, there are also a bunch of just like really boring, useless rubbish ones that I don't know even know why they're putting in. But there are lots of people that want lots of things. And this is some of the new emoji that we may see in 2018. So like probably like iOS 12. iOS 12, these, that's yeah. exactly right. But it's it's good, you know. There there um there's some there's some good ones in there. There's yeah. some new new animals that are nice. There's a raccoon and a parrot and a hippo and a llama. You know, if you're in the Andes and you need to say check out this llama, got it. You're you gonna got be it. there. Nailed it. Yeah. 
Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Encapsula. They have the website security tools and content delivery network that will make any website safer, faster, and more reliable. Over 100,000 organizations trust Encapsula with their web traffic every single day, from huge Fortune 500 companies to one-person websites. It doesn't matter who you are, Encapsula can help protect you and your website. They have everything that you need to make your site load fast, even if there's something bad happening, some kind of account some kind of uh, attack, I should say, happening behind the scenes. They have a 24-7 operations team. There's always somebody there to help you if you need it. And you get personal account management with the best service level agreement in the business. Encapsula have got you covered. With Encapsula, you're going to be well protected and your site will be lightning fast. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. All you need to do is go to encapsula.com slash upgrade. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash upgrade. This is where you can find out more about their service and claim your free month. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. So over the last few weeks, we have just both been discussing the potential of a new Apple Watch, right? It started an Ask Upgrade two weeks ago. Two weeks then, ago, yeah. Then there was, I think, a Ming-Chi Kuo story where we were talking about it last week. Now, this week, we have a Mark Gurman report from Bloomberg. Um, Gurman is saying that Apple is planning to release a new Apple Watch this year, which will include a cell radio, and he's confirmed that it would be an LTE chip. Because this isn't something we've discussed, but something that I'd maybe considered is they might just go with 3G first, but it looks like it would be LTE. Um, Intel is said to be the supplier of this new radio, which is different for Apple. Um, but it does make sense considering Apple's currently going through all this brouhaha with Qualcomm, right? So yep. and, th- they, and I think Intel provides some of the radios on the, on the current iPhones and Qualcomm the others. So Intel definitely wants Apple's business here. Oh, I'm sure Intel want Apple's right? business. You yeah, and, and this is like a good thing for everybody in this regard, right? Like Intel get to push in, Apple get to make uh, Qualcomm feel nervous, right? And and then we everybody can try and, well, everybody except Qualcomm can try and get some of what they want. Um, so this there's this is a this is a power move as well I think from Apple and and you know I do I think that Qualcomm chips will be in the next iPhone yes I do do I think that Apple would maybe try and squeeze them out on the Apple Watch as a sign that things might be changing yeah like I I can't imagine the next iPhone would go all Intel right because it feels like mm, just in case just in case these chips aren't as good maybe don't go that route but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll see just how bad the situation is come September. Um, and it may—I mean, it may be—it may have nothing to do with that. It may be that Intel it has a radio here that is uh, superior in some way yeah, that makes mm-hmm. Apple choose it at these volumes for an Apple Watch that they like what they what they're getting out of Intel for this. It may not be political at all, or it may be. Who knows? Uh, apparently, Apple are reportedly in talks with carriers in the U.S. and Europe about getting this kind of ready to be set up. I wonder about this, like how this would work. Like, yeah, so there are some carriers in the U.S. that are doing this now because there are smartwatches, there are Android smartwatches that have yep. cellular connections. And of course, one of the things they say about them is that their battery life is generally bad. So that's a question: is are, is Apple going to be able to do this? Presumably, Apple wouldn't do this. This is a little bit like what we've said about some other Apple features that have been rumored like if if they're going to do this presumably it means they can get through the day through a full day with a cellular radio turned on at least when it needs to be turned on yeah and however they do energy efficiency there but um those google i mean uh, android smart watches android wear watches 
Um, it sounds like uh, what has happened is that carriers have set up plans for these devices just like they've got plans for your iPad where you're paying a fee to put it on your account. But it also sounds like there's this um, a feature that is now enabled that um, that some of the carriers are offering that last time I checked, I looked this up, that you can actually set it up so that it rings that device as well um, as your phone. And the idea there is it's not just a, like adding a, a SIM to an iPad where you are paying, you know, I'm paying $10 a month to put my iPad on my cellular plan. But it's it's a little more than that, where in a world where you had a, a, a cellular Apple Watch and you went for a run. Right, right. And somebody sent you a text to your phone or somebody called you on your iPhone, your watch would ring. Because the way this works is that that other device, that watch, um, is connected to the network, and the network knows that's the same number essentially. Yeah, as so it's not like phone. call forwarding, but like call no. duplication kind of thing, right? No, it, it's it's and it's exactly what you would want. It, yeah, exactly. What you want is I want it to ring my watch and my yep. phone, yep. and this is something that can't happen at the Apple level. It has to happen at the carrier level. But it sounds like that's exactly what has already been built in. So it, yeah. you know, the the, the carriers know. Right, that this is an inevitable direction. There are already some smartwatches out there that do it, and it's a but. There's money to be made, so that that would be my guess is that it will be that simple that you will be able to add it to your, you know, in the U.S. like to your AT and T account or whatever the you know the other carriers are, and it will you'll you know you'll add to your bill, but it will just work. Yes, because like when you're at home. Right, and you get a phone call or a text message. Your Apple Watch gets it, but it's because it's right. c- it's connected to the iPhone. But the point of this is that it won't be always right. The UI is the same, but the 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 difference would be in where the phone is coming from. Because if you're running several miles or riding a bike or whatever without your iPhone, and you're several miles away, and to me that's like the number one reason you have a cellular Apple Watch is that you can leave the phone at home and not be out of touch, which is great. Um, then you know the cell network would say you've got a call and your phone is ringing at home and your phone is ringing on your watch and if you answer on your watch your watch picks up and that's where you have the phone call and it's that's just perfectly like part of the system it's perfectly normal when you hear this what do you think do you think that you would want to leave your phone at home and and just have a watch like what scenarios in your life can you imagine wanting to do this oh yeah I mean, I, th- I think we went over it a few times, but number one for me is running because when I'm running, I bring my phone with me and, you know, the phone is in my pocket, weighing down my pocket and uh, and it's not, I would love to not have it with me. I would love to not have it with me. Um, if, I've, if I can have, um, if I can load music on my watch, which I can, and on my AirPods, like I don't need the phone anymore, except that the phone is the thing that contains all the data that is pushing you know, out through, you know, into my, my AirPods basically. So if I could run without that and have a playlist, uh, playing, I mean, ideally I'd like a podcast, but the Apple watch has proven so far to be kind of really terrible at podcasting. But if even if just a music playlist, that would be a big deal. Cause it would mean that I wouldn't have to take the, the phone because the phone's big. I mean, this is like people strap phones to their arms and things like that. Right. When they're, when they're running, like to get that, to make it optional, I think it would be huge. 
that is definitely a really good use case. But I'm trying to think of more. You, you know, like running well, is the obvious use case, but what what other ones? Well, for could for we a assume? fitness for a, a device that's got a lot of fitness uses, if you've got the ability when you're swimming or running or biking or anything like that to leave the phone at home because. Um, yeah. it, you, you literally don't need it. I, and I was thinking like, even when I take walks, when we walk the dog over to the, the school by my house and, and uh, in the evenings and all that, like, I don't need to bring my phone with me if, because I'm really bringing it so that if I get a message or, or something like that, and yeah, if I'm going to do more intense work in apps on my phone, that's one thing. But when I'm walking the dog, I'm not, when I'm walking the dog, I just want to remain in touch. If my mom sends me a text, I can re- reply to her right on my, on my watch. I can't do that without my phone right now, but I would be able to do that. I, I even have Apple Pay on my watch, so I don't need the wa- the phone to do Apple Pay. So I, I feel like there is uh, a, bu- a bunch of stuff that is in the universe of, I need to bring my phone with me, that we just, by default, we do that, that maybe if we had a cellular-enabled watch on our wrists, some portion of that would fall out yeah. as being like, I don't really need that. We don't think of that today because, no, because- there's no option. You you're chained to your our phone. phones, right? Like, you know, that, exactly. that's how we are. Because this is what I'm saying, right? Like, I totally agree. Like, the fitness stuff makes so much sense. Um, and I think the answer is simply just we can't conceive of it yet because we don't have it. But, like, I'm trying to think of, like, is there, like, a, a threshold that would become in my life where I would then take my phone? You know what I mean? Like, if it works well enough that it's like, well, maybe if I'm out all day, I would take it. But, like, let's say that me and Adina are going to be together somewhere and we're going to be going out shopping. Well, or whatever, like maybe I just don't need my phone at all because I wouldn't use it, right? And, but but maybe. I can still get all the contact that I need because my watch is there. And right now, there's no question because right now it's just like, well, of course I bring my phone everywhere. But yeah, that that this would allow you to in every one of those scenarios say, do I need to bring this or not? Because just if all I'm doing is the baseline of I want to be there if somebody sends me an important message or a call comes in that I need to to have. That, you know, I might not need the phone for that if that's literally all I'm doing. Obviously, if it above a certain point, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, of course I need my phone for this. But I do think some amount would come out. And in the fitness area, you'd see it a lot. And that's, you know, a major focus of the Apple Watch. Yeah, of course. Obviously, the more independent the watch is, the better the OS also needs to get in terms of the apps being better and being more self-sufficient. And uh, I hope I hope we get there because that would be um, that would be great if the if the apps were more like I um, if I want to check Slack <laughs> I can't do it on my Impossible. Apple Watch because the Slack yeah. watch app for Apple Watch is terrible. But um, some of the other apps are better than that. So that that would be something that would be kind of on Apple as a developer of the app platform and the third party app developers as well to to say okay in this next generation of Apple Watch you now actually really need to think about having a fully featured app that is loading data off the internet. Because while they can do that now with Wi-Fi, so Apple's already laid the groundwork there, it's going to be a much more common experience once Apple Watch with LTE, you know, Series 3 or whatever they call it, ships. Right, because like, here's one thing, right? Like, I would want to have podcasts on my on my Apple Watch, so I could go out for a walk in the neighborhood and listen to my next episode of The Adventure Zone, right? But, yep. I mean, look at, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes to Under the Radar, episode 91, 
um, which has a, a nice succinct kind of discussion for, between Marco and David about like Marco's current issues with Overcast on the Apple Watch and how there are changes. I think with WatchOS four maybe where it's just it's just not going to be possible anymore to do what he has been doing. So like well let's assume that this thing's going to have a cellular radio in it. Well, currently watchOS 4 doesn't have a good way for people to build these apps. So unless a new Apple Watch comes with some significant changes, just having an LTE in the watch is not going to be able to allow me to uncouple myself from it. Exactly. I'm baffled that there is no podcast app on the Apple Watch and that they're not allowing like podcast syncing. But it is hard, as Marco has discovered. It is hard because mm-hmm. you have to basically like triage what goes on the watch. Depending on, you know, what what load it puts on, like loading data is probably going to kill the battery on it. So you're going to want to keep the data load low. So what you probably wouldn't, wouldn't want to do is write a client that just streams podcasts on the fly. But you could, um, right? Where, yeah, I you know, so. Right? But, but then it sounds like there are a lot of problems with like background audio and things like that that Marco has found that are fundamental problems that haven't, you know, have to be addressed by Apple, basically. So I, I do think that's a, that's a real question mark about the Apple Watch in general is why is there no podcast story? If, if independence, if device independence is the goal... And, and yet people who are trying, like Marco, who are trying to build device-independent apps, uh, you know, phone-independent, watch-only, all acting by itself independent, right? And, they, and they're hitting these walls. That sounds like, you know, Apple's got a lot more work to do because they can, they can ship this independent device and it's not going to matter if the third-party apps to take advantage of it are not, you know, able to be built, so also in Gurman's report, he says that to enable this, Apple have been working on continued battery life improvements for the watch, which makes sense. Gotta be, right? And so what my wonder is, is I assume that the LTE chip would not be constantly connected. Like it would just switch on when it couldn't detect the iPhone anymore. Yeah, that's, that's what I was kind of assuming is that th- this would be something that only activates when it loses touch with either a an open Wi-Fi network or it's buddy iphone right that if it doesn't have either of those then the cellular radio would spin up but otherwise you know but that's i mean that's not surprising that's energy saving features like you want to be as efficient as possible and since it knows it's got a buddy um especially like when it's connected to the phone it knows it doesn't need it because its buddy is there the big brother is there so uh, John Gruber and Darren Fire will link to this. And in his kind of link post, he mentioned that he has been hearing um, from, from a source that there is an all-new form factor coming for the new watches. Yeah, I wonder what that means. Because it doesn't make sense to me. You know, like we were talking about it, and, and I think it was last week, and I was saying that if they want to maximize battery life, just keep keep it looking the same right because you can probably pack more stuff in there but who knows i mean that could mean a new form factor could, could literally mean anything really yeah it could just mean new corners do you know what i mean like it could be the same thickness yeah. could be thicker right for all we know right could be bigger but it's not impo- it's not an impossible thought that they would change it but um unless a change that they made was clearly obvious you know like you look at it and you're like oh yeah they had to do that because of the lte chip I don't know. I, I'm not sure if they need to. 
You know, a little antenna is... sticking out of it. You pull the antenna out. <laughs> well, I'm I'm thinking like more Tracy. something for antenna bands or something like that, right? Like mm. there might be, you know, there, there might be a visual change in some way that's like, oh, okay, that makes sense now, right? Like there's there's some kind of change to it that way because it's going to need those, you know, and it and it doesn't doesn't seem to have any clear path for the for the for the radios. I, I don't really know enough about how that works, but. You know, if you, it's just like a mini iPhone, and the iPhone still needs the antenna band, so maybe maybe the watch would too. So that might make some kind of change. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see if that's this year's. John's not betting the house on it, and doesn't think we should either, which is probably a good idea. Um, but uh, it's funny, you know. Two weeks ago, we got asked, "What about a new Apple Watch?" And we were both like, eh, "Maybe." You know, it's not like not not. I think you said that you thought they they would, and I thought you know they might, but mm-hmm. they might not. And now with this, um, it's it's heating up. It's feeling it's feeling stronger now. Is the thing you know there seems to be more stuff coming. And there's uh in the gift that keeps on giving as people uh-huh. continue to I think kind of amazingly find out more and more tidbits of information from the uh, incredible. Like just incredible HomePod uh, leak story from uh, from a week or two ago. Um, it had been corroborated potentially um, in saying that there there was like a string of text which was uh, found by a, a, a Twitter user via the name of Real Antonio M. That there seems to be some kind of reference to an Apple Watch with a SIM in it. So there's a there's a line that talks about Gizmo and SIM. And apparently Gizmo is an Apple Watch code name. Um, and if we see if that reference is SIM, well, <laughs> that's that's the cell radio, right? So there's more it just continues to to go, this 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 home this home pod stuff. And it's just continuing to find more and more and more information. Yeah. It it's uh yeah I I so last week on download um, I had Michael Gartenberg on who used to work at Apple and his I mean he said what what I figured is the case which is in the end is this going to affect Apple sales no no it's well. going to make a bunch of people sad and angry and embarrassed and all of those things but he did say like boy whoever did this I feel really bad for them because this is the kind of thing where uh, I think he even said this is the kind of thing where you get taken out behind the shed and and shot like yeah it's just this is this is like an executable offense and it was almost certainly a mistake but it's also a probably um a mistake that was you don't you know put this in here before you do this and they didn't do that and so then all this data gets leaked because it's not just that the firmware got posted it's also that all the stuff that's supposed to be hidden was not hidden mm-hmm. in the firmware build so yeah yeah, I, I, it's it's tough with all the security and uh, secrecy stuff that Apple's been doing. That in the end, they, um, you know, they release this firmware blob that gives away just huge amounts of information. And the more you look at it, the more you glean from it. Apparently. Yeah, I wanted to just uh, call reference to a couple of like just just a, a, a trio of things that have come out since that I thought were kind of interesting. So uh, these are all in reference to the next iPhone. So some stuff that will come to iOS 11 post the next iPhone release. Um, there are references made to something called attention detection. 
which mm-hmm. could potentially what what people are theorizing that by looking at some of this code that the phone could know if you're looking at it and make changes based upon that one of them being something like silencing notifications so not making notification noises if you're looking at your phone because mm-hmm. it knows you can see the banners so that's really interesting um, there are references to many references to many 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 facial expressions that the system should be able to detect I have no idea what that could mean, but right, like if you think about it, the photo stuff should be helping them understand if I'm smiling and if I'm sad and that kind of stuff. And there is code that references all of these facial expressions. I don't know what they would do with that, honestly. I have no idea, but that's that's there. That's the thing. And also uh, the ability to double tap on the home screen to wake the screen. Now, this is interesting to me because I can't work out why they would add this. Now, my thinking would be that maybe because there's no button to press to wake the screen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if your phone's on the desk right now, you could just press the button and wake the screen up, you know, if you just want to w- wake the screen up. But you right. you can't do that if there's no button, right? So just double tapping anywhere on the screen will wake it, will wake the phone, which I, which I would quite like, actually. Yeah, if it knows that you're there and it recognizes you, you just tap and it opens or mm-hmm. double tap and it opens. That's very interesting. The, the faces, I have a... I have a couple dumb dumb theories, which is if it knows what your expression is, that it might first off it might actually change like an icon, uh, which is a silly thing. But it's like if you're smiling, it's the icon smiles, and if you're not smiling, it doesn't smile. I also thought about some messages feature where like you can send an emoji, and it's whatever your current facial expression oh, is. You, if they could find that somehow to work, that would be beautifully right. stupid right like it would just right? be so exactly. brilliant and so dumb but like a great thing to show someone it would be a great demo yeah exactly and that sounds like something apple would do it does that's a re- i actually like the emoji <laughs> one a lot um i can i can see that being an iMessage app you know that they mm-hmm. make that that's i actually think that i don't think anyone really use it but it's uh or at least any more than uh, what is that called the, the the digital touch digital yes. touch everyone's oh, yes. favorite oh, the digital touch um but it would at least be funny and as joe says like how, what is the facial expression for a frowning pile of poo nobody knows like we'll find out maybe come september <laughs> i hope not today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at fresh books if you could reclaim up to 192 hours of your precious time this year dear freelancers out there would you do it well, our friends at FreshBooks make cloud accounting software for freelancers that's so easy to use, they can help you do just that. It's 192 hours a year. That's a lot of time because they simplify tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and getting paid. FreshBooks have drastically reduced the amount of time for their over 10 million customers to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders, so you don't have to be checking on a spreadsheet and looking at dates and stuff like that to work out when someone should be paying you. You spend less time chasing payments and more time working on your projects and they have a new notification center which is like a personal assistant so when you log into freshbooks you'll know what's changed in your business since you last logged in and what needs to be dealt with quickly so this enables you to just log in log out and just do the things that you need rather than hunting around and checking off a billion different things to make sure that you're doing the right stuff FreshBooks may have over 10 million users, but they've managed to stay a pretty small company at heart, which landed them the title of Small Giants on Forbes' list of best small companies this year. If you're listening to this, 
and they are not yet using FreshBooks, now's the time to try because they are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com upgrade and use the code upgrade in the how did you hear about us section. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. Q3 results time, Jason. It's results time. Oh boy, get out your charts. Everybody get your charts ready. Okay, I'm going to give a quick, uh, I'm going to give some numbers and some statistics breakdowns now, in case anybody wasn't following along last week. So Apple reported in Q3 2017 $45.4 billion in revenue, which is up from $42.4 billion year on year. So an, an increase from Q3 2016 to Q3 2017 of $3 billion. They're forecasting their Q4 revenue guidance. Uh, between $49 billion to $52 billion. So it's somewhere between 49 and 52 This is a lot of money. Q4 2016, they, they, Apple brought in 46.9. So they're probably around going to... I mean, looking at where they're, they're forecasting, they're probably going to be around the 50 mark, which is a lot of money. I expect that they're thinking the, the next iPhone is going to get off to a mm-hmm. real strong start. Now, Q4 obviously does not include the holiday season. Um, that's all the Q1 stuff, right? That am I am I following that correctly? So Q1 is right. the, the holiday season results, but Q4 would include the next iPhone release. So it looks like Apple's thinking that they've got a hit on their hands. Is I guess that's what we would assume from looking at these this forecasting guidance, right? Yeah, I I think it implies that the first you know, week or weekend or week and a half. I mean, it really depends on where the new iPhones come out, but that there's some burst of iPhone sales that will happen in this quarter. I think this quarter ends like, I think this quarter ends maybe the 24th of September, something like that. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to do the do some quick calculations here. Um, so I think that's right. Um Maybe maybe it's the maybe it ends the thirtieth of September. Maybe it is a, a straight up July August September. It depends on the on uh, when the because the quarter isn't like clear month by month. It's it's a set it's a set of weeks. But yeah, if this is a twelve week quarter um, for these months, that's yeah it's in yeah that's about right. So so yeah, yeah. Apple's basically saying in that first week or two they're going to see enough iPhone sales to book that, that they have to roll those into their guidance. And so their guidance is up from what they said their guidance was. And as we've talked about before, um, when you're confused about what Apple stock is doing, it's because anticipation of the future is already built into the current price of the Apple stock. So when Apple posts guidance for next quarter that's higher than Wall Street expected, then the stock goes up because... The, the apples basically said you you undervalued us we're actually worth more than you even thought <laughs> next quarter and so then everything rises with that and apple it tends to be fairly conservative on that although lately they've been more kind of just accurate about it and that so, so they're definitely saying they're going to be up quarter over quarter from our year on year from last year uh, as well as quarter over quarter and that they're going to be probably you know uh, probably above or at 50 billion so, uh, as you would probably expect, iPhone, Mac, and services sales were all up. But most notably, I think, iPad sales were up as well. It's finally happened. iPad sales are up year on year. 
yeah, I had that uh, I had that thought when that came out. Like, what are we seeing here? And it, you know, maybe it's just one quarter. Who knows what will happen next quarter? So I don't want to be premature and say, "All right, it's turned it around." But this is literally the first time sales units have gone up year over year in a quarter for three years. So even if it is, let's just let's just we'll jump ahead for a moment. We'll try and dig into why we think this has happened. But even if this is just a one-time thing, what it's done is prove that it can be done. And that is that's pretty important, I think. What what Apple have done here is prove that year on year they can make an effect. So I think that this is something that they really need. Right, like these iPad sales going up, that is really important. Like that is a very important thing. Yeah, I think maybe. I mean, what it, what it seems to me is that the um, in this there's an education cycle going on here where education is selling, and they said that Apple education sales in the U.S. were up a lot. Um, the low cost fifth generation iPad seems to have driven a lot of sales. Average selling pi- price of the iPad is down which means that more of the mix of iPads sold was the fifth-generation iPad, the cheap iPad, and not the new iPad Pros as much that came out. But in the end, you know, in the end, it's more iPads sold. And if you're wondering whether the iPad is just going to keep declining or whether it's going to flatten out or turn around, this is the first sign of reversing the downward trend really in three years so there were 11.4 million ipads sold which is up from 10 million uh, from the the q3 previous uh, with revenue up 1.9 percent at 4.87 billion this is this is ending as we mentioned the 13 quarter sales decline so as you pointed out right like that even though units were up, the, the, the average sales price decreased. So it would probably indicate that sales of the $329 iPad have been doing really well and that maybe maybe this is the product that turned the tide, not the pro models. And this jives with feedback that we were getting earlier this year when, remember when I went on my tear about uh, iPad sales numbers? for a couple of weeks. Uh, Well, we were getting lots of people from schools and school districts writing in to say that they were waiting for a revision for the non-pro iPad line because they didn't want an iPad Pro. It was too expensive and it had features they wouldn't need. They wanted a new Air and that's what Apple gave them in this past quarter. So it could be that this is part of that, right? That there's there's been a lot of people waiting for this product. But again, like... I don't, for me personally, like, I don't think it matters what it was, just the fact that it happened. Because (laughs) it happening means there are ways to do this, that there are ways to have the growth curve change. So Apple need to focus on what those will be, right? Like, I think about the Mac line because I think it's closest to, to, to compare the Mac and the iPad lines together. And, I'm sh- I'm sure, right? You know, again, we spoke, we've seen this, we've heard the the arguments that the Apple posed at the roundtable about the Pro thing. The Pro line does not take up the majority of Mac sales, 
but the pro line is where a lot of the work is going on. It's where a lot of the advancements going on, because the sales of a of a cheaper model, the sales of the, the more regular consumer models, they help prop up the development of the entire product line, allowing the pro line, so the pro desktops and therefore the pro iPads, c- to continue pushing the product forward and then the, the, the advancements can trickle down to the rest of the line. Like So you see improvement on the top end which can trickle down to the lower end products. If the iPad can work this way, that's fantastic, right? Like this is what it needs to do. Well, it needs to it needs to show signs of life, that's for sure, right? And if this is the if this is the way that it works, if this is the ecosystem for it, I think that's fine, right? The idea that the iPad is going to have a volume seller that is down a lot lower and uh, some less volume but really awesome sellers at the high end than the iPad Pro. I I agree that's fine. That's fine. And it seems like Apple this has been Apple's strategy all along is we're going to split the line and we're going to push part of it up and the other part down. <laughs> and how does that working? And the answer is now the iPad is uh is simultaneously cheaper and more powerful depending on which one you want. And it worked this time. Let's see how it keeps working right is there going to be an upswing here or is this more about kind of finding a new level that keeping in mind that if the ipad were to grow slightly it would be the size of the mac uh in terms of revenue so you know maybe that's fine like maybe maybe that's the level but but as long as it was going down we didn't know so that's that's the thing that i take from it that i think you take from it too is this is a sign that we're we're going to get an answer about what an iPad business looks like that we maybe didn't know before because we were like, are they just going to keep selling fewer of them until they're none? Or where does it stop? What's the size of this market? How do we start to understand what the iPad market is? And now maybe we can. And also, you know, there's a part of it for me, which is, I mean, this is obvious, this is clear, this is how it should be, but the fact that they have been able to make this change shows to me that Apple understands how to do it, right? They've worked it out. Like somebody had a thought that they were like, oh, what we should do is also make a cheap nine inch iPad, which is going to take a regression in some ways so we can bring the price down. Why do we do this? Because we think it might help us sell more iPads in general. And they did it and it worked. Right. Like somebody had that idea and was able to convince whoever was needed to be convinced that this was the thing that had to happen, which is just another thing as a iPad user, which makes me happy because it proves that they're willing to try something mm-hmm. rather than just be like, no, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing for the last four years and just <laughs> hope that it will work. That's what we're sure going to work out. Right. Sure. And, and that's not what they did. And it's changed it. And, you know, we've also got these fantastic new iPads as well, which I'm sure have helped, right? Like I can't imagine that they didn't help. I'm sure that they helped, but then it's been bolstered by, this other stuff and i'm wondering jason do do you think the ios 11 will help yes i do um i think that although we can all as nerds get excited about what ios 11 has in terms of transforming the ipad and making especially the ipad pro amazing and way better than it's been um you know regular people apple needs to give that message to regular people once it's got it in hand which means that once ios 11 ships in the fall thus kicking off the fall and holiday sales period um they're going to be able to use ios 11 as part of that message and i think it will be effective i think that will be helpful because i don't think 
iPad sales moved this past quarter because of iOS 11 being in the offing, right? I don't think that consumer no. markets work like that. Wall Street might work like that where they bet on the future. But, you know, um, outside of our circles where there are betas being passed around, right, by, you know, public betas and developer betas and all of that, outside of this circle, iOS 11 is just kind of a, a promise. It's an IOU right now. When it's real, it could make a real difference. I mean, in some ways, it's still an IOU to us. Because there are features we can't use yet, features that are probably going sure. to change a lot of the way that we work for, for a lot of good reasons. Like drag and drop and files, probably the two biggest parts of iOS 11, we can't really use everywhere. And Right, because the apps haven't been updated to support exactly. them yet, and that will come this fall. Mm-hmm. So even then, like there's going to be more and more of it. And my hope is that there is going to be a really strong marketing campaign around the iPad Pro at that point. Because the holiday season's coming, and the holiday season could see movement in the pro market, but there could also be movement even further in this $329 iPad, because it's going to be able to do a lot of this stuff, right? It'd be able to do basically all of it, I think. It just doesn't have a keyboard, but like it's going to be able to do all the multitasking, it's going to have the dock and all that sort of stuff, right? Like It's not being left behind. So I think that there is a, there's a strong case to be made for the Q4 results as well. Now I'm trying to let myself get a get ahead of myself, right? Like <laughs> right now I'm just trying to focus on the fact that finally I don't have to live in fear of the results every time because it's it's provable that this will end. You know, this is what we always spoke about every single time. This will end at some point and it's ended. And it's actually ended with an increase. It's not ended with a complete stall. Right, like it's just been decline, 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 and I always thought it was just going to level out, but it's actually gone up a little bit, which is, I think, is is very positive news. So, I'm feeling like Tim. I'm feeling bullish <laughs> right now. They didn't say that this time, did he? Nobody asked him anything about the iPad because the numbers were good, and he didn't feel the need to offer other than you know he said. It did well here and it did well here. But there was no, basically, once your numbers go up, they stop asking, you know, and he stops offering like, no, no, it's going to be fine because the numbers were fine. So everybody's like, all right, good, great. Let's move on. And so he didn't have to give the iPad another vote of approval. Feeling good about it. Think it's going to be great in the end. He didn't have to do that this time. And there did, he did cite that as well. The U.S. education market did play into this, right, which I think lends the idea of the 329 just reaffirms that but also said that um, apple saw ipad growth in china and japan with more than half of these users being new to ipad that's always good yeah that is a you know that is a sign one of the challenges is what's the market for this and are new people coming into this market is there room for growth not just selling new models to people who have old models but actual growth in the market and they saw that in china and japan so outside of this iPad stuff, was there anything else in the uh, in the earnings call that, that interested you? Was there any things that Tim was saying or any questions that were being thrown that really kind of piqued your interest? Well, you know, Tim is excited about uh, augmented reality and keeps on um, and keeps on talking about it, which is great. He's very excited. He he's not downplaying it, right? He's not trying to say, you know, we'll see how it goes. He's very much like it's going to be huge. Um, Apple, you know, OS, iOS 11 is going to make Apple uh, the world's biggest augmented reality p- platform when it ships. Um, he thinks it's big and profound and one of those huge things, he said, that we'll look back at and marvel at the start of it. So he is he is 
all the way in on the AR hype, and I think that's interesting. Um, we got an Apple Watch check-in, because remember, they don't actually reveal results of the Apple Watch, but they did say that sales were up 50%, presumably, over the year-ago quarter. That also means it was probably not like the record that they set earlier, um, but it is you know, the top-selling smartwatch in the world by a very wide margin, and then we make our guesses about what that might actually mean. Um, the other two things that I think he mentioned that were worth, uh, at least, uh, citing, um, he's been trying to, he's been asked several times about whether the statement by the president of the United States that Apple's making three big, beautiful plants in the U S was true. And he keeps trying to kind of like turn those around and say, well, let me explain We're we're investing in, in U S manufacturing and we have a billion dollar fund and we already spent 200 billion or 200. Uh, we have a billion dollar fund and we spent 200 million in in Kentucky on Corning, their glass factory, and we'll make some other investments and basically doesn't want to answer this question about the statement about three big plants. Cause it sounds like that was a misunderstanding, but he's not going to say the president doesn't know what he's talking about. So instead he's like, look, I, I, you know, I think this is where this is coming from. We are making investments in, uh, in us, uh, manufacturing. And that's all we're going to say. It's just three really big trees on Apple park. It's just in his office. It's three ficuses. Three Tim's huge plants. Beautiful in, in Tim's office. That's totally what it is. And then the last thing I wanted to mention about the about the analyst call, because I thought that, because uh, I, I transcribed it again, uh, is there was a an analyst who actually, um, there's always one, <laughs> who says, should we believe blogs and component suppliers about the possible delays of the new iPhone, given that you're forecasting your revenue so strongly for next quarter? To which Tim Cook said, we have no comment on anything that's not announced. And the analyst replied, fair enough. I thought it was worth a shot. And then (laughs) seriously, when he says that, the entire room in Cupertino just starts laughing. For a few, for oh, like really? five seconds. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. I figured it's worth a shot, he said. And then there was lots of laughter, and then they moved on to the next question. It was pretty funny. But like, they, I they like that. there's always one. Somebody's going to give ask. it a shot. Someone has to ask it. At least they're self aware, right? That they know that they're never going to get the answer. But you've got to ask. They're never going to get the answer. I liked, I liked how he phrased it. Yeah. I like how he phrased it as like, well, we're looking at your guidance. So what does that say? And then he's tries, trying to negate it. Like, that certainly doesn't seem like you think that there are going to be delays. And they're like, yeah, nice try. Yeah. You got so close. Good work. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there some kind of reference to the HomePod thing as well? Didn't they make some kind of joke about it? Oh, no. I don't know. This might have I, just know been, I might have just read somebody making a Twitter joke by themselves. You know, you know what these things could be like. If you're not following along, well, you don't because you have yeah. to listen to everything. But there's lots of joking jokes during these types of situations. There are. So, so I, may have, I may have misread something. So uh, I'm really happy about these <laughs> these numbers. I can tell. Uh, it's, it's just a sigh of relief, really. Like, it's just, you know, look, me and you and, and a few other people, many other people, we, we try and do our best to, to tell the story of the iPad because we believe in the product, right? Like, we, But it can be really hard that, you know, every time you talk about it, people are just like, wow, but none of them are selling. It's just a difficult thing to have to deal with, right? Because it's like it, this, it's undermining every point that I make because Apple aren't selling them. Well, they are again, and that's good news, I think. 
definitely. All right, today's show is also brought to you by Squarespace. You want to use the offer code UPGRADE at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They'll let you easily create that website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. They give you everything that you need to put your site online. They are the all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They let you get everything that you need, and they also support it with a 24-7 customer support team. If you need any help, Squarespace are there to literally help you with the problems that you might have. Whatever it is you're trying to put online, Squarespace have the tools that you need. Whether you're looking to make a portfolio or blog or an online store, they've got the tools. I am getting married next year, and one of the projects that I'm going to be working over the next couple of weeks is setting up a wedding site. And that is like a whole thing you can do on Squarespace. They have tools and templates to help you build a website for your wedding attendees. And I'm going to start working on that because I need to build this website, and there is literally nowhere else I would want to do it because... I don't know what to do and I don't want to learn and I don't want to have to go and sign up for some service I've never heard of. I'm going to build it on Squarespace. Their plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com. Then when you sign up, use the offer code UPGRADE to get yourself 10% of your first purchase and show your support for this show. We thank Squarespace for the continued support of UPGRADE and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, Jason, it is time for a USA version of Hashtag Ask Upgrade. So Ooh. this probably would mean fireworks this time, right? Rather than lasers? Yep. So That's right. Okay. <laughs> Those fireworks sounded specific, like kind of suspiciously laser-like, but we don't have to they, worry the, about The lasers that. ignited the fireworks. You, <laughs> didn't, you missed that nuance there. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, start off with Frank today, who asked if we think that iMessage syncing could bring iMessage to iCloud.com. So couple of things on this. <laughs> iMessage syncing is where Apple is storing iMessages in the cloud and will be delivering them to all of your devices. It keeps kind of everything in check, stops the reordering and all of the random stuff. That, I don't know if you ever get this, but like if I open a computer I haven't seen in a while, they all download one by one and they're all in really weird orders and stuff like that. Yep. This, 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 uh, this uh, tool, this, this feature is being made to, start, to stop some of this and to help some of this. However, I will also mention that uh, iOS 11 Beta 5 came out today, and in the release notes, they mentioned that this this feature is going to has been removed and will be added later. This isn't the first time I've done this. This happens. It might come yeah. in in 1.1, sorry, 11.1 or something like that. Um, they just, I assume, feel like they haven't got this right. This does seem like an incredibly tricky thing to do correctly and to do safely and securely. So I guess they're just holding until they get all the bugs worked out. But. Right. I mean, imagine iOS 11 launching and every single iPhone user and iPad user basically at that moment is suddenly using a brand new cloud service, which means they're hitting Apple servers. And if it if they don't have that down cold, right, everybody's going to complain and the whole story of the iOS 11 update is going to be that all of their message histories got messed up. Yep. They, you know, so I'm going to give them some credit here. At some point, somebody said, nope. We're not going to ship it. We'll ship it with uh, 11.1, 11.0.1, whatever it is. We'll ship it in October, November, December, whatever, but not at launch because we need to uh, get it right. Good for them. Yeah, like I was I was thinking about this. Like I wonder if they did anything to kind of try and test under the conditions of what happens when a new when new iPhones are sold, right? And what happens to Apple servers? They were like, oh, well, if this happens. 
iMessage is really dead, like super dead. So why don't we just try and stagger all this out a little bit? You know, like let's just chill everything down. Um, But to back to Frank's question, do we think that this iMessage syncing could bring iMessage to the web, iCloud.com? I don't don't think they're going to do that. I don't think that's what they will want to do. Um, it looks like Frank said could, and I, I will say, yeah, sure, it could. Like, I, I, I'm unclear on what Apple is prioritizing in terms of what goes on iCloud.com. But once it's up there and you put in your password so that you can decrypt your data, which is what happens when you're on iCloud.com, it could. But I'm not sure whether I can see the use case that would make them prioritize that. Do you think that in that scenario, could the same question be made for like an Android app? Would that become more possible with this? I don't know, I guess. I mean, I think it makes bringing iMessage anywhere now that there's a a, uh, canonical cloud record of the entire library. I uh, I think it could... But I think the goal here is to free up space on devices, right? I think the goal here is to get things into order so that you don't have weird things where your devices are out of sync and to have the ability to mark that stuff as purgeable because it's stored in the cloud so mm-hmm. that you don't have... Because what happens is people have years of iMessage history sitting on their devices. And if you can sync that to the cloud, that means that once it's in the cloud, you can delete it from the devices, which is helpful. So I think those are the reasons. Yeah, I haven't done this yet, but I was digging around the storage settings before the trip on Beta 4. And there's this, the, 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 the you know where you go into about and you go into storage and usage. Um, that whole screen is really fantastically designed now. It's, it's really nicely broken out. And one of them was just like, hey, you can get eight gigabytes of data back if you let us delete these messages from your device, but they'll be saved in the cloud. I was like, that's really good. As soon as this becomes an official supported feature, like as soon as it's released, I'm going to do that because they'll be there. I'll trust that they'll be there and I'll get them if I need them. You know, like it's all like the attachments and that stuff of years and years and years and years of messages. But that screen is good now. Like it says like, hey, why don't you delete some of these iTunes movies you've watched? And it's, it's, it's really nicely designed screen now rather than just being a list of apps. And then it has all the app offloading and all that sort of stuff as opposed to deleting. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in there now, which I think is kind of cool. Okay, Panagiotis asked, uh, is the need to run Windows in parallels on a Mac a reason enough to stay away from the 12-inch MacBook? That seems pretty demanding. Is that a demanding? I feel like that would be a pretty demanding thing. Well... You know, it's running on the Intel processor, so it could do it. I, I feel like the bigger issues with running um, Parallels or any VM on a device on a Mac is RAM and storage. Because <laughs> you got to have enough memory to hold the PC memory in memory, which is a lot. And you've got to have storage for a PC hard drive image. And have you, you know... Have you maxed out your MacBook at that point? Um, the processor is going to be a little bit slower, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Parallels and VMware stuff work okay on slower processors. I was able to use them with you know my MacBook Air, in fact. So it's pushing it, but I think the bigger issue is not going to be the processor being pokey. I think you, I think you got RAM and storage issues you have to deal with too. So. That that's the thing is if you under if you undervalue any of those things or especially if you undervalue all of those things you will run out of 
speed and it will get slower. So, or you won't have space to install Windows <laughs> on your drive, which could also happen. Andrew asked, what is the over-under on an iTunes overhaul this fall? Well, we haven't, we haven't seen it in uh, any of the discussion of High Sierra, so I have to say I don't see how they would do it if, if not. Like I'm starting to like, think, I don't think this is going to happen. Because, I, at least I don't think it's happening any sooner. Like, I don't think, because people are pointing to, like, the, the iPod going away. It's like, oh, and it's going to happen quicker now. But I don't think that that is really meaning that. Like, the iPod Touch still needs iTunes. Like, and Apple would still want to give people the way to, to do this stuff with older iPods. Like, I don't think that this is something that is imminent. I, I feel like iTunes has still got a lot of life left in it yet. And we won't see an iTunes overhaul, in my opinion, until there's already an Apple Music app. I don't think that this is like a one and done, like a pulling the tablecloth out from underneath the table. Like, I, I feel like the Apple Music will appear on the Mac and iTunes will still live for a while. And then they'll slowly kind of put some more component pieces in. But I don't, we're definitely not seeing it in 2017, I would say. Maybe 2018, we see like Apple Music on the Mac or something, and then starts to move on from there. But I really don't think that this is an imminent thing anymore. I, I just I feel like they would have announced it if they were doing it this fall. Yeah, I right? agree with you. Yeah, with definitely. High Sierra because this is a this is this Hi, strikes Sierra. me as being an OS feature. Hi mm-hmm. Sierra, uh, this strikes me as being an OS feature. So. Yep. The fact that they didn't announcement didn't announce it at WWDC that was the moment where I thought, oh, okay, not going to happen this year. Moving on doesn't mean they couldn't do it along the way. They did photos right in the spring, and had that be in a in an OS update that came out in the spring. Photos appeared, but I don't know. I, I think it's I I think we've seen their story for the Mac, and I would be surprised if they kept something like that hidden and then dropped it in the fall. It could happen, but it it goes against everything in their playbook about the Mac. Um, James wanted to know how many apps can be placed in the dock on iOS 11. And I looked into this. It is 13 apps plus the three recent apps on the 10.5 and 9.7. And it is 15 apps plus the three recent apps on the 12.9. So the three recent apps is like three apps on the right-hand side. There's like three apps you've recently used. So you can just quickly access them again. So it's uh, slightly different between the two sizes, um, but it's still quite a lot in there. And, of course, you can put uh, folders in there too. So you can have everything if you want, but uh, you can put folders in there. Do you have any folders in your in your doc as it is right now? I have one where it just has like no. Google Docs stuff and things like that. No, it. no. I tried it and I hated it. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, I hated I hated having the folder there and I hated the extra step of having to open it up okay. in order to get the apps in there. And I'm also, because I've heard Fraser and Federico talk about the issues with uh, you know multitasking and how things have to be in the doc. I don't have apps... I don't have so many apps that I use occasionally in split-screen multitasking that I can't put them in the dock, which I know they do. But, like, I don't – I have on the 12.9, I've got 15 apps there. I don't have 15 apps in my dock because I just mm-hmm. don't. And and I don't want to put a folder in there, even for organizational purposes, because it's an extra tap then every single time I want to bring up that that app. So I don't. 
Josh asked, should Apple consider an iPad upgrade program mimicking what Microsoft is now doing with the Surface? So uh, a week or two ago, Microsoft announced that there is a a new Surface program um, in which you can sign up and you'll get a new Surface every year. Like it's called Surface Plus and Surface Plus for Business. And you're effectively on a 24-month contract, um, but after the 18-month like point has passed, you can return the previous contracts and sign up again and get a new Surface device. So I was thinking about this, like, this is another way to move iPads, right? Like, if that's the thing that you want to do, I, I don't know. But I, I feel like this is maybe a little bit more of a uh, last-ditch attempt, I don't know. It's it's financing is what it is. It's financing. Yeah. It, it's it's financing and also trying to create a scenario of, um, of sort of forced upgrade. It's not quite forced, but like creating an upgrade cycle where there isn't one. Saying you like the latest and greatest, so you can just pay us monthly, and every eighteen months you can get the latest and greatest. I would think that. I don't know. The people who want the latest and greatest are just going to go out and buy it the day that it's available. So we come back to what what is this? And it's sort of like, well, somebody who wants to pay a flat amount every month, not have these occasional large purchases. I can see some value in that. Apple has offered sort of financing programs in the past. Maybe this is the future. Maybe the future is subscription services for our technology. But I don't know. Um, the fact that Apple hasn't done it so far suggests that Apple's not super motivated to do this. I will say um, cellular carriers do this with iPads now. That's they very will do true. This. Yep. With a cellular iPad, they will do this. And I have a friend who is still, who is impatiently waiting for his, I think, T-Mobile um, iPad a payment period to end <laughs> so that he can get a new iPad. So, you know, they're, they are out there. Those are, those are more traditional, like cellular based, you know, reimbursement kind of things, but it's, it's all sort of similar. It's all just a matter of what, you know, as a company, you just want to say, what can I do to make people give me money? <laughs> And it's if it's offer them a monthly plan where they get to they get to turn in their thing and get a new one every eighteen months. Great, let's do that. And if they think that that'll make a big difference, but there's overhead there, and I think Apple's so focused on the iPhone, I think maybe the iPad will just take care of itself. And finally today, Jeff asked um, whether the iPad iOS 11 keyboard is coming to the iPhone as well. So I assume that what Jeff Jeff is uh, referencing here is the new uh, iPad keyboard in which you can swipe on the keys to access punctuation and additional characters and numbers and stuff like that. Um, so I wanted to just kind of, my thinking on this, uh, I don't think that this is going to come to the iPhone because it's currently different on each iPad. So the smaller size gets the swiping keys for all punctuation. So the entire keyboard has these little glyphs on it, which is every every key has another function that you can do if you swipe down on it. But the 12.9 will only allow you to do this for the number row. You still have to click in to a, to a button to bring up these additional keys. So my thinking is on the account that they've already decided that this isn't something that they need to mimic for both iPads, I don't think that we're going to see it for uh, the iPhone either. Plus, it would yeah. already be in iOS 11, so... 
Yeah, exactly right. I mean, technically, the iOS 11 keyboard is coming to the iPhone because iPhones run iOS 11, and the keyboard that's on the iPhone in iOS 11 mm-hmm. is the iOS 11 keyboard for the iPhone. But yes, you're right. I think he means the little swipe downy thing, and that is, yeah, just on the 9.7 and the 10.5 iPad Pros. Uh, they're not even on the or and iPads. They're not even on the uh, 12.9. Sadly, I guess. Sadly, I don't know. It's a full screen on the 12.9, so full size keyboard. We're doing good on the 12.9. We don't need it. I don't even want it. It is nice to not have to hit the other button, though, right? Like, say so you hit a button and then you have it to. It is. Hit it's really button. nice. I like it a lot. I think there are a lot. I think uh, there's a lot to be said for it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool thing. I think. I don't know. I th- I think the ergonomics of the phone and the iPad are so different that going that direction where you've got a lot of things that kind of get triggered on pull down. Where would you? You can't label them. Right, because there's no room on an iPhone be, yeah, keyboard. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point for, mm-hmm. for that secondary character labeling. So then they would be kind of a secret. And then if you're just moving fast and you swipe your finger a little bit, and then you get a weird character. And I bet you they mocked something up and were like, "No, forget it. This is not something that'll work on the iPhone, but yeah. we could do it on the iPad." I mean, even if you could fit the labels, right? The labels would be so they'd be too small. I think I think it would end up being pre- pretty small, um, especially on the smaller phones, right? Like. Yeah, maybe you could do it on the plus, right? But like, you can't continue to have this weird monster keyboard thing, right? Like on some, it just gets it just gets too messy, and it really works great on the on the ten five and the nine seven iPads. The only thing I'll say on it is, whilst I really like it, um, I feel like I'm hunting for the punctuation too much, right? Like, I mm. um, because obviously the well they're not, but they don't seem to be in case, places where i would specifically expect them to be because that's not actually how a keyboard works right like the the semicolon is not actually behind the k key right on my keyboard so it's like there isn't like a muscle memory that i've built up yet eventually maybe but i will say the numbers i've gotten really used to doing it with the numbers and and i like that a lot so um that one's pretty sweet. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. it. I think that it is a good feature, uh, but it it requires a, a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more work before uh, maybe moving it to other devices if they ever would. I think it would be a bit tricky. All right, so that wraps it up for this week's episode. If you want to find our show notes, you can head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 153. If you want to find Jason online, he's over at sixcolors.com. He is at theincomparable.com. He's at jsnell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. And uh, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. I want to take one moment to thank our sponsors again, the fine folk at Encapsula, FreshBooks, and Squarespace. Um, Will we both be back next time? So I think the way the way we should put it is now enters a series of special episodes yeah. of Upgrade. So we'll have a special episode next week that Mike won't be on, a special episode the week after that that Mike will be on with special guests. And then there will be, I think the week after that, there's a, another episode with a guest star, although that'll be a more normal episode. And then finally, Mike will be back. So I think, I think you're only on one of the next three. So I hope that you'll miss me. Um, but we I, have some I, great how stuff. could they not we have some great stuff planned I'm very excited for the episode um, that will be coming out on the 21st which is our special with guests so yeah look out, <gasps> look out for that we've yeah. we had an idea and the idea spiraled out of control into new and amazing things so there you go look out for that one uh, thanks so much for listening until next time say goodbye Jason. bye everybody 